welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, and love us on iTunes. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, Managing Editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, isn't quite ready to make any assumptions. Just kidding. He has full opinions on every player on the roster. Yeah, I got a lot to say about the two snaps that Sam Franklin got. Um, I think that uh, the skill set that he was showing on that, Corn Elder got a couple snaps in there too, so I got some some hot takes on Corn. Um, uh Still on the podcast. Is this podcast going to be three hours long today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got we got a lot to say. I got a lot to say. Um, no, I I would like to. Well, whatever. We'll we'll get into it. I know this is the joking part of the the show, but I really do believe that like there are a lot of people that were like, well, I didn't like what I saw from Stephen Weatherly out there, so like bust. And it's like, all right, guys, like let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's week one. Just because. Uh, the quarterback didn't get hurt week one doesn't mean he's going to last all 16 games. That's all I'm saying. So wait, the sky is not falling in. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I mean, the sky is falling. The team's bad. But oh, like, oh, okay. Let's, let's not go jumping to conclusions uh, quite yet. Get the mat out and do it later. Um, another man with opinions, Mr. Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, is trying to remember just where he was when Lester Towns set the record for most tackles in a single game for a Panthers rookie. Hi, Colin. Hello, Nikki. I tell you, it, it's great to get a little preseason football under our belts, and now the games are going to start. And I don't know how you're not encouraged. You know, this one's this one's it doesn't count. You're just going to go forward from here. So. I think there's a lot to be encouraged about in week one of the preseason. I think we saw a lot from this young secondary that they're going to be able to improve on when the games count. I think it's like, it's good to get them some playing time now, you know, because once the season starts, you don't need those guys out there. But like, I mean, you signed Rasul Douglas on Wednesday, so you want to get him out there, see what you got in the guy. You want to get some, some snaps for your rookie fourth rounder. I get it. Late game situation. It's just the preseason. Just call a simple play. Run it up there. Pick up the first down. Just move. Just just move along. There's no reason to show anything out of your playbook. It's the preseason. Calm down, everybody. Relax. I can't wait till the season starts in week five. I just I can't wait. We'll be we'll be ready by then. Ready by then. Let's bring our guest on on the one day contract this week. Nick Carboni, sports director for WCNC is working with Josh to put together a one-hour standalone special on the tight end screen to reception machine, Chris Manhurts. That will have at least one viewer. I will tell you that. Yeah. uh, Is it Chris Manhurts? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe two then. Sorry. (laughs) His whole fam. How's it going, guys? I'm here to be the first Joe Brady apologist in Panthers fandom history. He was great. Great. No, no issues. No issues. <laughs> nothing, nothing can be wrong. Have you guys noticed that? I know we're jumping right into the Panthers talk here. Have you guys noticed that like when um, like there are certain things that happen that it can't possibly be uh, like a fan favorites fault. Like, so Twitter loves Curtis Samuel, right? So Teddy Bridgewater throws a pass that is on third down. That is, I don't know, a foot behind him. And everybody is like, and I said, Curtis Samuel dropped it. Everybody's like, Teddy didn't put it in the right spot. You got to put it out in front of him. And it's like, hit him in both. I mean, come on. 
bro, we're in the NFL. Like, hit him mm-hmm. in both hands. Like, I get it. We don't love Teddy, but we love Curtis. Curtis can do no wrong. Uh, but also, like, yeah, uh, he's got to catch that thing. If you want to win these games, you can't make mistakes like that. Absolutely, yeah. Let me go ahead and put my rose-colored glasses on real quick here, as I'm often accused of doing. Um, no one played particularly well, and they were in that game in the fourth quarter. They've got the ball on the, you know, on their proverbial racket with four minutes to go against a a veteran quarterback and a Super Bowl winning coach. I know the Raiders are the Raiders, but uh, they were right there in the mix for a first-time coach, first-time quarterback, first-time OC, first-time DC. I'm really struggling to be down and out about this performance. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that we weren't even sure, like, where the the big question was, like, are they going to be ready to play football today? And they clearly were. So I I think that was a positive in itself. Uh, I also think you can can say that in the same sentence as they should have won the game because I think they should have won the game. I agree with you. I think we talked about this last week that uh, that this was a win- very winnable game for them, and was also kind of a good test for them because they have the Raiders have have obvious strengths and obvious weaknesses, and they we saw them take advantage of those weaknesses. We saw Robbie Anderson specifically do it, um, and uh, and I think you know they the Raiders took advantage of their strengths too. I mean, they rushed for three touchdowns. Everybody wants to talk about how Jacobs only had 93 yards, but also I didn't really feel – there wasn't a time when I was like, man, they've really got Jacobs under control. It was just yeah. kind of like he only had 93 yards because that was kind of how many times he ran. And there were, some, there, were some, there were some bright spots. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about the game, um, obviously. Uh, but, like, I, I think there were some bright spots. I'm, I'm a big believer. Like, this is, the exact, this is exactly what we thought the Carolina – or what I thought the Panthers were going to be. Their defense is bad. Their offense is good. They got a lot of young players, and those young players and coaches are going to make mistakes. And then you just – they can't make those mistakes a month from now. Like, it's fine. Like, it's fine to not have a good sense of urgency at the end of a game in your first game as a head coach and offensive play caller. Like, that's fine. It happens. It's not going to be okay in, like, eight weeks if you have the same type of situation. Yeah, absolutely. It's just about kind of everybody learning from from those mistakes and cleaning those things up. And I mean, this is this is game one of year one of a year seven contract or of a seven year contract for the head coach. So I mean, this is quite obviously a foundational year. But if they can find a way to win some of these games, I mean, it's not like it's not like he's walking in a temple and, and Baylor where the cupboard is you know absolutely bare. I mean, he's in the pros now. He's got some talent on the field. But by and large, this is going to be about Matt Rule, uh, you know, figuring out how to coach in the NFL and figuring out the type of guys that, that he wants and needs in his program. This didn't look like an Adam Gase coach team. I'm, I'm very pro that. I think that's a good thing for us. I mean, if, if this team would have come out and had a bunch of penalties in the first half, like yeah. we'd be sitting here being like, oh, goodness, we don't know what we're in store for. But this to me looks like a team. And we went from this team could be tanking for Trevor to we were one week into the season and we're saying that's when they should have won. So I think that says something about where this team is too. I mean, they're, they're one game up on some of the other Trevor guys. So, uh, right. So Jacksonville won. who else won that was in that Washington wins. I mean, it's yep. smooth sailing from here. Just <laughs> it's it only game. I, mean, I was Looking at all the scores on Sunday and seeing what happened to the Browns, I mean, I, I know who they're facing, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and, 
and the Jets obviously got jumped right away, and the Eagles blown a lead. Like, okay, like this team actually – they weren't as bad as some of those teams, and some of those teams have been together for at least a few years. So I thought the fact that they, you know, had the fight down the stretch – I hate I hate saying that most of the time because it's like moral victory stuff, but I think it it does – tell you that they weren't totally lost and I thought that was a good thing for a totally new regime uh, and a team that was supposed to be on the field together for practice in early April and didn't actually get to do that until last month basically. That's a it's an interesting topic that you bring up because they everybody I feel like five five guys have said it since Sunday <clears throat> excuse me I'm getting choked up I'm very emotional yeah um, five guys yeah, I heard five guys, and I was like, my, <laughs> not about my, the Panthers. That was actually that my was stomach rumbling. Uh, I was like, I don't. I think their fries are overrated, mm. and um, I agree, they're a little soggy. Yeah, they're a oh. little so- like. Whoa! Oh, this is going to be a four-hour podcast. Is that what we're doing here? Because if I have to defend Five Guys fries and the Panthers, this is going to be a two-parter. <laughs> Um, I'm just, I'm not saying they're good. They're not good. I'm just saying overrated. Like when I, when sometimes you hear people bandy them about as like best fast food fries and it's like, all right, pump the brakes, five guy, like pump the brakes. As opposed to who? Yeah. Who does have the best fast food fries? Uh, Arby's, obviously. Uh, I was going Arby's also. Oh, two Arby's? Okay. Absolutely. If you're, if I'm building a Mount Frymore, it's Arby's. There's nothing like a large fry where you get one fry. Thank you, Arby's, for inventing that. That's exactly (laughs) what I was looking for. I reached into the bag, I came out with the one fry, and now all I've got is a sandwich to eat. Thank you, Arby's. Somebody should put that Colin rant on mute and just, like, play, like, (laughs) some insane music behind it. (laughs) Because it was reasonable what he said, but I would love to see that. I would love to see something be. It was was great. I'm an excellent video editor. That'll I'll have that ready for you by uh, November. Um, uh, I, you've heard a lot of guys talk about like there are no moral victories. Like they've said, they've said like that has been like that. That sentence has come out of the mouth of like Matt Rule said it, Christian McCaffrey said it, Teddy Bridgewater said it, Shaq Thompson I think said it too. Lots of adults say it. Yeah, but it's like there are like to me like is can this actually be a moral victory? Like, I know you can't come out there and say in the, in the media, like, Hey, we're pretty We're pretty happy. But like, mm-hmm. does this kind of feel like a moral victory? Cause I, that's how it felt to me was that, Hey, this looks like a professional NFL team that made some mistakes, but, but has some, some upside to it. And I, we didn't know what the hell we were going to see out there. Just like Colin said, like if they'd have come out and had 10 penalties in the first half, it would have been like, well, sure. Okay. If the you know if Michael Schofield had come out there and just fallen on his butt every single uh, snap, then you would have been like, well, I mean, I don't know what we expected. Yeah, well, they, moral they, victory. They, they weren't totally lost. They they were a professional football team that, like Josh said, just has a lot of stuff to tighten up. The key to making this a moral victory is to keep that thing trending in the right direction as much as possible. There's going to be some down moments, but. If, if there are going to be some things this season that this this franchise can hang its hat on going forward, that's that's going to be a good that's going to be a good spot to be in. If we're pointing back to this game to try and save Matt Rule's job, then that's where the moral victory discussion is is foolish. But to be encouraged by again a coaching staff that hasn't coached the game together, let alone an offense helmed by a quarterback that hasn't 
you know, played with this organization before. I just think that, that you would be foolish not to be encouraged as a Panther fan by the effort that you saw on Sunday, despite uh, the, the ultimate result. Is it pub time? Colin, where's your dog? <laughs> Did you notice how both me and Nikki went on mute at the <laughs> they, same they, time? That's what that the means. dog's like. They had that's that sixth sense. They can know you, it's podcast time. Can you see? I think you could actually oh, see yeah. Bernie in the background. Yeah, there oh, he is. Kid. And he just turned because I said his name. But yeah, um, <laughs> somebody walked by, and it was uh, it was we were on red alert here at the Klein household, yeah. Um, yeah. and now it's back to nap time. So I think we're okay. Uh, I, I think the um, I'm not going to edit. Well, we won't edit any of that out. Obviously, don't even know how. I, I mean, why would you? <laughs> yeah, it's cold. it's cold. That's what everybody <laughs> wants to hear. Um, is us making excuses for our dog. Nikki, did you ask a super important question? <laughs> I didn't. I'm sorry. There's so many things that have happened. Let's take a step back from the Panthers and just give me kind of week one in general. Give me a thought, observation takeaway you had for week one non-Panthers related whether it was a game whether it was a player whether it was mass whatever I'm just going to keep talking while you guys think about it so Uh, somebody jump in not to overreact after just one week of the NFL but I think they should just eliminate field goals as a play in the game wow because we really want to, I mean, it's fun to make fun of these guys missing like every week, but it's gotten to the point where it's just kind of sad. So, uh, you know what? Come up with something else. Oh, you want, do you have an idea? I don't something have an else? idea. I, I offer zero solutions. Oh, okay. I'm just tired of watching these guys shank balls. That's terribly. fair. That's fair. Oh. That's a, that's a fair thing to say. I mean, Only- actually it's very, it's unfair and, uh, kind <laughs> of a terrible idea out- because it's outrageous also. Yeah. <laughs> Packers and Vikings the only game from the week that did not have a missed kick is that the correct stat seems wow like I don't know if that's true but it certainly sounds right um, um I, I would say my actual like if I had to point like Aaron Rodgers did a heck of a lot better than I thought he would especially coming off of last year and on the road in Minnesota and it kind of flipped my uh kind of flipped my view of that division honestly just just in one game it was, it was a great game and he was lights out so that would be my actual football one although I'm keeping the field goal thing as 1B. So when you say flips the flipped away you, you view the NFC North you mean like Trubisky's on top now? <laughs> He's back yeah. baby. Absolutely. Tar Heel born Tar Heel. should have lost that game too. Oh my goodness. In the long tradition yeah. of uh of you know NFL successful North Carolina Tar Heel quarterbacks here comes Mitch Trubisky. Mm. Uh, all right, I'll go. Uh, Panthers caught a lot of grief in, in the draft season for taking a guy at a sub-premium position or however you want to view it at the defensive tackle position. Aaron Donald is the best non-quarterback in the NFL and plays the same position. Not, he's the most entertaining defensive tackle to watch since Warren Sapp. Absolutely. If you're, a, if you're a non-Panther fan, of course. He's got freakish strength and athleticism especially for that position. I mean, the way he just knocks guys into guys and other guys, it's just like a, you know, domino effect all the way to Dak Prescott the other night. Uh, yeah. If Derek Brown can be three quarters of that, yeah, I'd be pretty happy. According to ESPN's run block win rate stat or something like that, Aaron Donald is not that good at run defense. So just FYI, I don't know if that's just might be something to put in your cap and think about. And maybe just like you, 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 
you've been watching football wrong. Like all those times he's in the backfield immediately and changing the way that the running back uh, handles the ball and, and blows up plays. Not, not good. You don't, that's not what you want out of your defensive tackle. Just because Excel will spit out a number doesn't mean that the number has any value. Um, I also like, you know how sometimes when, because we haven't played football in a really long time, you like forget that guys are really good at it. And like, I flipped a, like I caught like three minutes of, of the Ravens game. And it was like, Oh, like good Lord. Lamar Jackson is good at this. Like just incredible. Like look, just looks on such a higher level than everybody else that it's like, how did they get beat in the playoffs last year? I literally can't remember it. It was what, 25 years ago. So, um, just like watching him, you're just like, Oh man. And then, um, you know, it's, it, I, I even, I even felt more like that with him than I did with Mahomes on Thursday night. Uh, I felt like Lamar looked great. And then I didn't really watch any of that, uh, Seahawks game, but apparently they let Russ cook, which is nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, so those quarterback like Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, uh, and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are good. So there's my big takeaway. I'll, I'll, I'll throw one more in there that I did not think would come up, but Kyler Murray had, he was incredible. And he looked almost like if we're calling Lamar baby cam, then call him maybe the, the baby Lamar. Um, he was what the leading rusher for that team. It was just – I think it's going to be great to watch him throughout the season and see what all he does. He's so short, too, so it's, like, fun to watch him run around back there. And, like, he looks like a little like a little kid that is just faster than everybody. That they're like, well, you can't tackle him. And then <laughs> you can't – you literally can't tackle him. Yeah, we're in this, like, explosion – explosive revolution of, like, these new quarterbacks. And it's just my fear that Deshaun Watson is going to get left behind because of – Stupid Bill O'Brien. Oh, man. Bill O'Brien is really bad at coaching. Like, really, really, really bad at coaching. And uh, and Fangio. Managing. Yes. Just incredibly. Like, it's so crazy to me that these guys get to this level and demonstrate this level of um, piss poorness and can continue to be employed. You mean getting to the playoffs every year? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there's the Texans playoff game is a joke, but it is the Texans playoff game. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sorry, man. Bob is not a good coach. Fangio was terrible in that Broncos game last night. Three Um, timeouts with 17 seconds left, uh, down two or whatever is one of the funniest things I've ever seen on on a football graphics package. That was um, like it was almost unbelievable. Hold on to him, baby. I like how he was kind of, in my mind, he was kind of like in Madden where you're like, I don't even care. I don't even care. Yeah, just roll him over into week two. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to take him to week two. This is how this works, right? COVID, no rules. Just just carry it all over. Okay, it's yeah. Fine. Called, uh, called Roy Williams and asked him how he should handle the end of game situation. Hmm. <laughs> well, let's go back to Panthers talk now. So – we didn't really know what to expect with that game. Now that we've seen it, tell me things. What are some things that you can take away from that game? Instantly, right at the start of the game, I was encouraged about how Brady and Bridgewater seemed to get everybody involved very quickly. I mean, it was 
five uh, different receivers for his first seven passes, something like that. To me, that was just a good foundational look. And, and I think all of us were encouraged because we got to see each different guy kind of do what they do. Uh, I, I'm encouraged by what we saw. And again, I don't think they had a great, great game. I thought Teddy was a little bit off. And then um, I thought Samuel and DJ Moore both left yards on the field. I yeah. like that. Go, go ahead. ahead go, no, no, go ahead, Nick. I like that when they were down 12. And, and listen, we could talk about the fact that they really didn't use McCaffrey a ton at the beginning of the game. Uh, but I like when they were down 12, they were just like, okay, we're going to go to McCaffrey. Uh, we're just going to march down the field. And, you know, it's not like Joe Brady, this, you know, who had this explosive offense at LSU and is this 30 year old innovator. You know, we think that, you know, probably wants to eventually get to the point in his career where he can just zip it all over the field. He didn't try to do something outside of, you know, what Teddy Bridgewater is comfortable doing and is able to do and, and what this offense is able to do that they, you know, they gave it to McCaffrey there. And, and obviously we could talk about the fourth and inches call. We could talk about the maybe lack of urgency in that next drive, but I thought they were steady and I, I thought they, they did the right things in, in that situation. Yeah, I, I think like overall, I mean, we kind of talked about overall takeaways, but yeah, I, I think they, they were close. They, they, they got the, they got the, they got to a point where they could have very easily packed it up at the beginning of that fourth quarter. They went in down 20, down 14, 15 points. Is that right? 27, 12. And they, no, that's not right. 27, 15, 27, 15. I knew there was a 12 in there somewhere. Uh, 12 point deficit backwards two is a five. Um, and they, they could have very easily packed it in. This is a team that's, that has lost a ton of game over the last two seasons. And they could have been like, well, you know what guys, like we look good for the first half, but got away from us in the third quarter. Like let's pat, let's do it again. And they were able to, you know, to, to stay, stay in rhythm and, and, and make that comeback. And I agree with Colin that I think that Teddy um, did look off, um, whether it was miscommunication or whether it was just lack of lack of practice time, lack of uh, chemistry with his wide receivers. But there were a fair amount of throws where I felt like he was, um, he was just plain inaccurate, um, which obviously there was that one to Curtis Samuel that was, you know, miles away that, that Twitter let us know about. But um, but there were some, I mean, there were some pretty easy ones that he felt like, you know, even check downs that he missed. And there was a, you know, there was a, a screen to DJ Moore on third down that, that, that to me is just straight. They don't have the chemistry. He put it in the wrong spot. And so that's the kind of thing that is going to get better with time. Um, I, I think overall, you know, encouraging signs, but they it'll be more encouraging when they don't make these mistakes again and they make new mistakes and then we can, they can learn from those too. <laughs> what about your overall impression of Matt rule in that first game? Uh, needs to wear his mask on the sidelines. That's my, that's my first uh, impression. Um, he wasn't as bad though. If you looked around the NFL, like everyone was very bad. I think everybody's going to get a lecture of some sort this week. Yeah, I, the, apparently the NFL and the NFLPA sent a memo out. I would imagine Rule was on that list because I saw him chinning it, you know, um, a fair amount. Uh, I, I think that he was um, he was good. You know what was interesting was he said – he talked about after the game, he said, you know, I will take the blame for the, for the final play call, for the fourth and one play call. Um, 
that's when you guys write it up, right. That I, that that's my decision. And that's a head coach kind of decision. Now to me, I don't think he made that decision. I think Joe Brady made that call and he is saying, no, I'm the head coach. So you, so you blame me when things go wrong, which is good. That's what you should do. And they brought it up again um, Monday and said the same thing, basically like, you know, I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame for it. Like I made it clear. I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame when things go wrong, which is good. But at a certain point, like, and I, I say at a certain point, and I realize I say that with very clearly knowing that we've done one game of Matt rule so far. So it's like, it's not like he's done this a bunch of times. Ron Rivera did the same thing for nine years. When things would go wrong, he would say, that's on the coaching staff. We got to make sure that we're, um, you know, that, that we're putting our players in the best position to win. And that's what a good coach should do. And so I was a little bit encouraged that things did go wrong and he had the right reaction to it rather than be like, well, Armour's got to pick that up. Schofield's got to get that block. Paradis has got to not, has not got to get pushed backwards constantly. Um, he said, you know, I'll take the blame for it and we'll move forward. And that's, that's what he should have done. I don't really care too much about rule in the media. If there's one weakness to him so far, I think it's been his interactions and some of the things he said and the timeliness of guys getting released after that. And it's great. You want to throw yourself on the sword in some kind of, you know, gesture of leadership, but all that doesn't matter. What matters to me is that I think this team was ready to play and play an NFL game. And for Matt rule with this offseason, all the things, and then coming out of it, I felt like Teddy Bridgewater, Shaq Thompson, all the guys were saying the right things. And everybody still seemed like they're on the on message and on brand. To me, it, 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 everyone's not necessarily pulling the same direction just yet, but that's the nature of having a team that's been brought together like this. But I think Matt Rule has this thing going in, in a general right direction. At least the wagon has pointed the, 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 the correct direction after week one. I think that's about all you can judge at this point. Yeah, I was going into that game and, and just looking at, you know, not the sexiest stat in the world, but penalties. And I was encouraged that they didn't have any in the first half. The offensive line, did the offensive line have any penalties on Sunday? I don't Sunday? think so. Uh, you know, so. they were encouraging. And obviously, the fourth fourth and one call, they didn't they didn't pick it up. Um, but, yeah, just the way that Matt Rules, you know, run practices in the time that he was allotted to, uh, over the course of training camp and how he ran them. I mean, Josh, you were there a lot more than I was, but I mean, he, he there were days where he would run, you know, they'd stretch for like a couple minutes and then it was like 11 V 11 and it was football like yep. right away. I think that helped. I really do think that helped. You know, I, I know he's, you know, kind of comes off as a little flowery and, and pos- you know, overly positive in his media interactions. But, you know, I think there were some pretty tough practices this training camp. Um, and you know, when, when you got to play a football game with, with, you know, that counts, you know, five weeks after getting into the building, uh, it's, it's hard to be ready for that. And they weren't, there was a holding penalty on Michael Schofield that ah. was declined on a sack. So, um, and, uh, yeah, so, and that sack may have been Teddy's fault to be honest with you. He held uh, on to it for a long yeah. time. I mean, said, you know, yeah. I, you know, I mentioned before, I really looked that, I feel like Teddy was the most disappointing part of the, the offense. And I would even say of the team, I mean, we, we knew about the, the, the offense or the defense. We knew that the young guys were going to make some mistakes in the back end, and we saw that. But as far as what I expected, I, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that I thought Teddy, Teddy was the most uh, disappointing guy out there. Yeah, he was not as accurate as, and, and you guys mentioned this, <clears throat> as we expected him to come in and be. Josh, you know, I think you're right. 
it's just one week and, and it's probably a lot to do with timing and, and just getting back out there because he missed a lot of the he missed a lot of the throws you'd expect him to miss, but also too many of the ones you did not expect Teddy Bridgewater to miss coming in. Yeah. I thought he uh, was better on his legs than I kind of expected. That threw threw well on the run a couple times. Obviously used his legs to get down uh, and and be able to kick the field goal at the end of the first half. Um, you know, I'm not. It's not going to be a real element to their game, but the fact that he can take a broken play and make something out of it, or you know, when they're in the red zone, maybe they utilize that to have him throw on the run. Um, that was a little better than I expected too. And I, I just thought he was composed. I mean, he was he was kind of that steady Teddy uh, in some of those late half, late game moments. Um, you know, we can talk about the tempo and the urgency from the coaching staff, but uh, he kind of kept it together in the, in those moments. Well, let's talk about it. Like we're we're here for it. So let's let's talk about the end of end of game situation. I would like to I would like to go ahead and say for the fourth and one play call, I thought the play call was fine. I think eight times out of ten, Arma picks up that half yard, and then you're and then you're going. Um, I think it is what it is. Yes, Christian maybe should have gotten the ball, but the the question that I wanted to pose to you guys is: Do you think? that Christian McCaffrey is the type of player that will go to his coach and say, I need the ball next time in that situation. And do you think he should be that kind of player? I don't think I, he should have I don't think he is. I don't think he is. No, no. I think, you know, he was – he's also a guy that would probably say, let me be a decoy, which he was. And if it works, then he looks like an awesome teammate for saying, well, let me be the decoy. I thought it should have gone to him in that moment, but it's a play that they utilized earlier in the game and it worked. Um, the offensive line didn't do a good job. You know, the Raiders defensive tackle basically just said, I want to be right. I think he switched with his teammates said, I want to be right here and I'm going to take this play over. And he did. So it's dependent on the offensive line and the interior to not let that happen. But uh, to me, it was a money moment. It's your money guy. And, Running a big, a big slow body into a bunch of other big slow bodies wasn't the right call to me in that moment. I think McCaffrey could have found a way to, to kind of maybe find a gap that Alex Armour couldn't. But um, you know, it wasn't the worst call in the world. No. The play call itself, I only have a little bit of an issue with. I have a much bigger issue with the entire last four minutes as we look um, at, at the execution. But the the final play call here, the thing that bugs me about it is that's not who you are. The game is on the line, and everything we've talked about with this offense and what this offense is going to be, they're not going to be a team that's going to go ground it out on fourth and one and get it that way, get Teddy on the move. We just talked about how Teddy's feet you know, looked and then had that opportunity to get the ball to CMC. At the same time, if the play works, you know, everybody just says, check, you, you, you did the smart thing, you did the simple thing, and kept, and kept the drive moving. And I think that's actually the arrogance that we may have seen out of Joe Brady on this one is that I think they assumed that the drive was going to keep going. And then all of a sudden, they were out of downs, and the drive was over. And I think when you, when you coach at LSU, when you've, you've got guys of that caliber, a lot of times you can count on those, those sticks moving. And I think they count on the sticks moving, and they didn't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think for me, the biggest problem is the lack of urgency, the, set, the way that they ran that four-minute drill – and the fact that that was the, how they wanted to do it. Not, not, not the actual results. It's the fact that they got the ball back with 4.03 at their own 30, needed to go 70 yards to score a touchdown. They did, couldn't have a field goal. They had to have a touchdown. They ran the ball four straight times. 
uh, and then two minute warning, and then they turn the ball over, and then the game's over. That's it. Like you don't have a chance to get it back. And I, I hear a lot of people, and not hear a lot of people. Matt Rule specifically said we didn't want to give them the ball back. We wanted to score with less than thirty seconds left and have that win the game. And I agree. That is great. That's terrific. But let's start burning the clock after you're on their side of the field. And I think that's something that you have to learn. And I, I think that Colin hit the nail on the head in that Joe Brady was kind of like, we're going to get down there, so let's make sure that we get down there with the right, with the right amount of time left on the clock. It's like, let's get down there. And to me, what you saw on Monday night from a better – maybe not better, but a, but a more uh, experienced head coach and offensive play caller in the Tennessee Titans game, they get the ball back down by two, and they throw the ball seven times consecutively to get onto the uh, onto the Broncos' side of the field. And then once they're at the 30-yard line, then they start running the ball. Because then they're like, okay, now that we are into field goal range, that we are closer, and we have control of the clock and control of the field of play, let's now let's start burning the clock and using the clock to our advantage, not vice versa. And that, I think, is a lesson – that I'm hoping that they learned, but ultimately when you hear them talking after the game, I'm not so sure that they did learn that lesson. And that, yeah. that is a little scary to me. Yeah, I, I like that they obviously like that they used McCaffrey in that situation. I really like what they did in the drive that I was talking about previous, the McCaffrey's second touchdown, the one where he you know, spiked it in uh, Jonathan Abram's face. But to only use him in the run game and not use that, I mean, I think they started with like a 15-yard run in that drive, not use that to open things up, not try to get it to him in space and other ways or, or to anybody else was, was you know, that was, that was strange to me. I, you know, I think kind of going back to what Colin said, it was just like, all right, we, it, it's not the same drive as it was two drives ago. It's, it's a much different situation. It didn't feel like it in that moment. If you're an NFL team on a random Sunday and you have a chance – to win the game with the ball in the last four minutes. I think that most people sign up for that. And as much as I want to be critical with you, Josh, they ran the ball several, you know, to, to start the drive, but they were at midfield with two minutes left. And so even though like I, I want to be with you and, and nitpick, like to me that that works. Like, okay, I got the ball at midfield, two minutes left. I'm feeling I'm feeling fine about things. The conversation that happened during that two minute during that two minute warning, I fundamentally don't understand. And I think this is where a massive breakdown happened because when they ran the ball on that third down coming out of the two minute warning, I, instantly I said, yes, they get it. This is two downs. You don't need to get it here. You, you can run and then you can pick it up on fourth down. It, it, it works. I like where we're going here, but then they didn't call a second play. We're just milling around. Time's just ticking. Time's just going by. And then the Raiders actually ended up calling a timeout and saving them. Like, to me, in that situation, if you run up to the line, it's fourth and short, and you run up to the line, maybe the Raiders take that timeout faster. Anything you do in that situation other than milling around and not having a play called is better than, you know, what we saw. And then they come out of that, um, that timeout, run the ball, which, again, was not what they lined up in prior to that timeout call by the Raiders, I think they just started making assumptions and, again, tried to play the big game where you're worried about, oh, let's, let's finish with zeros on the clock and let's – you need to take care of the business at hand, and that was get the first down. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think that um, they had did something similar to that earlier in the game. Uh, they threw a quick out to Curtis Samuel. 
Um, it was a little high for him. Went up and got it, and he got tapped down about a foot short of the, fir- of the first down on third down, so it was fourth and inches. They immediately run back to the line. Teddy hands it to Christian, and it's a two-yard gain for a first down. And then they're going because they obviously had two plays in the huddle, and they said, if we don't pick up this first down, if we get close on this, first down, on this third down, we're going to run up and do it again on fourth down. And not doing that at the end of the game ultimately I think cost them. And I think those are the kind of, again – you're going to hear me say it today and next week and the week after and the week after, and it's going to wear on your nerves, listeners, more than I already do, and I apologize. Um, if they, The only thing that counts is learning from these mistakes. It is totally fine to make these mistakes now. A hundred, like I have no problem with these. With, with Even if you don't think they're mistakes, you have to say, okay, well, that didn't work week one. How could we get better in week seven or in year three? Or in, like, how, how do you fix it and move forward? The, the fact that they lost this game and they started 0-1 and, you know, they didn't get any pressure, like, all these things, they're all kind of like water under the bridge. It's all just learning opportunity. This is all just time to learn. And this year, you know, we I know Colin disagrees with me, but I feel like this is, a like, a mulligan year. And they can kind of, like, if they don't – if they get better and they – look like they're learning, they can go 0-16, and I don't think anybody's going to care. Maybe not 0-16. Maybe like 3-13. and In terms of Joe Brady and that game, was there anything that you saw that kind of lived up to the expectations? I don't know if it lived up to the expectations, but I know that he's gotten some grief for the CMC workload. I thought – I thought that was really good. I really because be smart in the first half, and then if you need to ride him in the second half, he's he's fresh. They weren't out of touch in the first half. You got you're getting everybody involved. It, it's weird to me how we're gonna we're gonna monitor this because it feels like 26 touches was too few, but in the Rivera era, 30 was too many. So it's really a thin line that I feel like they're walking, and I didn't have an issue with it at all. And again, when it mattered most. Nick mentioned it. When it mattered most, they, they rode CMC, and I think that as long as that's where they, they, they turn back to him in the fourth quarter of the second half, I'm not too worried about the first half production. Yeah, I think that, I, you know, while I was kind of questioning during that moment in the game, you know, when we started to realize that Christian McCaffrey didn't have a whole lot of touches, I think there is something to be said for using it. You know, if you're still going to use him 25 times a game, you know, use him in the right moments. And I think that they did that. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it is the first game. There was no preseason. So are we going to, you know, there isn't a full installed playbook to unveil you. They're not going to be operating with their full arsenal of uh, the different things that they're wanna gonna, they're going to want to do by week 17. Some kind of used Samuel in the run game, I believe. Um, you know, and I thought the wide receivers – overall needed to step up a little more. We talked about that a little bit and, um, you know, give the play callers a reason to, you know, want to give you the ball in certain spots. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think they had a great day. Robbie Anderson, obviously, um, you know, he had the, the really good catch on, on the first play of the game and 75 yard touchdown, but DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, um, you know, I, I would have liked to see a little bit more from them. And, and if they're going to want to involve those guys, they're going to have to step up and, and make plays even when they're not the easiest play to make. 
Well, DJ poked that guy in the helmet. So that, that was, was dumb. That was really bad. And, yep. he, and he didn't even do anything to like, it wasn't like McCaffrey slamming the ball in Abram's face. But I guess maybe you could have gotten a taunting penalty. He, he scored in his face. DJ Moore, there was a nothing play. And he absolutely made it, you know, put him in a bad spot. There was that red zone look. I mean, again, not even red zone. It was end zone look on the goal line that Teddy threw the slant to DJ Moore. And I think I tweeted it at the time that it's like, that is exactly the kind of catch that Matt Rule has been pushing DJ Moore to make to make that jump to the elite level. And I've been saying it all offseason that I think that he is ready to make that jump. Um, and I d- didn't see anything yesterday or whatever Sunday that really changed my mind. I still think he can. Um, but those are the kind of catches like a guy is all is on your back and you still pull in the catch for the touchdown because, and that will get you the ball next week too, you know, in that kind of situation. So I I would like to see him make some more plays. You're absolutely right. One other thing, Nikki, about Joe Brady that I really liked was the amount of time the offense had at the line of scrimmage. It was nice to see Teddy up there uh, operating and kind of calling some things out. Now, the play calls, particularly seemingly on third down and long uh, and, and, and deferring to screams, screens out of audibles, I wasn't crazy about that, but I'm just going to just chalk that up to newness at this point. But I did like the, the ability of Teddy to go up there and adjust uh, on the fly. Yeah, I think, I think it would be a mistake for us to assume that we are seeing what this offense looks like. Like, it's one of those things where it's like you kind of have to, like, we have to, I think we have to wait almost like three more weeks and then look at the first four games as like a big picture. Because if you start to like, well, I didn't, you know, like the way that they were running, I didn't like the tosses that they were running versus the count, like counters. And it's like, all right, well, like that maybe they haven't, maybe they're not there yet. Maybe they're saving some stuff for it. So in my mind, it's like, I don't want to rush to judgment um, until we start talking about the defense and then I'm going to crush them. Oh, well then let's, let's talk about this defense. What did we learn about this Phil Snow defense in week one? Technology sucks. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're all, it's like, what more can go, you know, what more can go wrong this off season? How about your first game in the first half? The, the headset's apparently not working a dozen times, which is maybe not half a half. It's a quarter. It's a third of the, the half. I mean, it's just uh that was tough, um, I, and I think there were some spots where the communication just wasn't great on its own. Um, but I, overall, with this defense, you know, I, I think a lot of us expect, and it, it still may, ha- it's probably going to happen multiple times where they're just going to get exposed and exposed and exposed, you know, a bunch of different times. I thought there were a few moments, you know, just thinking back. I think there was a long uh, pass in the first half to Henry Ruggs, where it was a blown coverage. And then, um, you know, they totally got gashed on one of the Josh Jacobs touchdowns up the middle. Um, But in terms of just, like, being out of position, blowing assignments, um, just getting absolutely roasted in the secondary, it didn't happen as much as I think we were afraid that it would. It only happened like six or or seven times. (laughs) But I don't know. It just wasn't, like, all I can think of is that 2016 Falcons game where it was just, like, brutal. And that may happen eventually but I don't think it was I don't think it was as bad as that was I mean Troy Pride got beat on the one touchdown where yeah the coverage probably could have been a little better but the throw was great um he I I, I blame him more for the one he he kind of missed an assignment and, and they just went wild with it but 
overall, I mean, you hope that it's just a matter of tightening things up and you got to get a pass rush too. I'm not saying Josh might have a point about this defense, but arguably the best player on the defense showed up on Wednesday. So I, I'm not saying that, that Josh is right about the, the, the defense, but the fact that, uh, that Douglas shows up and is r- truly one of the best defensive players they had out there uh, doesn't necessarily bode well. Yeah, um, I mean, the problem for me is not in the secondary because the secondary is who we thought they were. Like, they are – like, we knew they were young. We knew they were going to make mistakes. We knew they were going to be like – oh, man, like, he's way out of position and Henry Ruggs is just running by himself. Like, that – we knew that was going to happen. Also, like, on that touchdown, I thought Pride was fine in coverage. Like, he wasn't he, – he, he just got beat by a better player. Like, it happens. A fourth-round rookie in his first game ever. Sure. Um, my big problem is with the defensive line, which was really bad. Like, not even against the run, which I thought they were not as bad against the run. I thought, like, you – this offensive line is not good enough for you to tell me that you have zero sacks and one QB, one QB hit and five QB pressures. Um, Like that, that is unacceptable to me. Uh, When, especially when, you know, he dropped back and passed 30 times and he completed 73% of them. Like that's, that's on the secondary, but to me, that's more on the defensive line, especially when you have put so much so many resources into the into that defensive line on the defensive line you have this year's first round pick this year's second round pick last year's first round pick your highest paid defensive player is your defensive tackle and you're telling me you got zero sacks and one QB hit on the Raiders like that is unacceptable and that is something that again has to change this week week one okay whatever I like we'll give you a pass I mean, I know I just yelled a little bit, but it's fine. Like week one, it's okay. This is now you have said Phil Snow, great teacher. He, he's, he is, he's, you know, can, can teach these guys and take these guys to play at the next level. Do it. Let's see it because I got to see something different in week two, because uh, the reason why Tom Brady was so bad in new Orleans is because the saints kept putting him on his ass. That's why he was so bad. Not because he was all of a sudden washed, and although maybe a little, but uh, I think that it's like if you if you're going to if you're going to treat Tom Brady like you're going to treat Derek Carr, it's going to look where they're going to score more than 34 points against you. So it's going to be uh, that again. Just got to get better week to week. Just got to get better. Well, I yeah. think not having 59 with the, with the green dot, and then I'm a little confused. I, it used to be if one team's communication system wasn't working, then nobody got to use it. So <sighs> I, I, whatever. Either I have either. a, th- I have a theory on. Well, the I have a theory thing. too. I have a theory too, but it's that it wasn't a headset issue. That's my theory. Yeah, that's kind of my theory too. Because I, because you heard Matt Rule be like, "Well, it was a little bit of everything," and like, "Oh," and they were panicking, and we had some communications issues, and and it was like, and then it was like when when he got pushed a little bit on the headsets, it's like, "Well, no, I mean they fixed it. It's fine." Like. I, I, uh, Bill, push the button and then talk. Push the button, then talk. I, I mean, was it the headset or was it like, what play is this again? Because we just met. And yeah. I'm just getting used to this still, and I'm just getting used to who's next to me. Yeah. Um, it wasn't communications issues that caused to hear Whitehead to be a bad at coverage. 
Like that's yeah, not a communication that was, issue. That was really discouraging. And, and you know, he's up against what he's replacing too, and, that, and that's tough. But it, yeah, at but least if you, the one, if you, at least the one was just absolutely critical, and it was a bad, bad mistake. Yeah, and if you've got a bunch of young defensive linemen that have had either, either have experience playing with, with Luke and Luke gets you in the right position or don't have any experience and they're, they're in there and there's, play, there's confusion about the play calls and stuff like that, to me, of course, they didn't generate pressures. I'm right, I'm right there with you, Josh. It's not good enough, uh, but I, I don't, I'm not ready to call this an indictment yet. No, I, I just want to be clear. I also don't want to call this an indictment. I think that, again, we'll give them a pass. Even next week, it's going to get worse, but I'm going to get closer to the microphone when I have this exact same rant next week, when they have zero, Q, when they have zero sacks and two QB hits. Um, but to me, it's like, you just, you can't, the amount of resources in that defensive line, you cannot, they cannot be this bad. They cannot be this bad. It just, Cannot happen or else you can't be successful. Not this year. You can't be successful, period. If this is if you have this much tied up into the defensive line and they're terrible. Um, KK KK Short has dodged really any kind of criticism. I mean, he's a tremendous player back in the 2015, you know, season, but he has dodged any kind of criticism because of the position he plays. With his salary this year, though, and what this team needs out of him, he's, he's going to have to play or that criticism is finally going to come for him. Matt Rule talked a lot about special teams leading up to this game. So now that we got to see special teams, your thoughts? Well, they only missed that one kick, so pretty good. <laughs> um, no, I'm curious to see what – I'm curious, Colin and Nick, whether you think that Farrow Cooper – is like, I know, we don't want to judge it based on one game, but like, is it like, hey, here's a returner, we're good? I don't really expect much out of the return game. We, they, they've effectively tried to get rid of it, and I, I'm perfectly fine with the Panthers booming every kickoff, you know, out of the back of the end zone and never needing to, to even try and let return guys go. I think Farrah Cooper starts having success. Good teams just aren't going to kick him the ball. So I think it's a, it's, it's a good thing. I think it's good to have somebody back there that's competent, but I don't think you can count on it week to week. Yeah, continuity and competency. And, and either none of those things have happened for the Panthers at the same time for the last few years. You know, a couple of years ago, Demir Bird ran one back. I think Kalen Clay ran one back. But, like, those guys weren't always in that spot and didn't always perform that way. So, um, you know, if Farrell Cooper continues to bring it back past the 25 when given the chance, uh, and then, you know, maybe makes a really big play here and there this season. I think that's what you want as long as he's, he's kind of the one doing that and, and doesn't make any bad mistakes. And we can, we can list, list all the times it was just kind of a, a question mark anytime the ball was in the air and a Panthers return man settled under it the last few years. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing out of special teams for me was that uh, Joe Charlton didn't punt anything out of bounds, which was which are at least not for, on purpose um, or accidentally, I guess I should say. And uh, I think whatever they needed to see from him, they did because right as we started recording this podcast, uh, the Panthers released Corey Vedvik from their practice squad. So for everybody that was like, they need a big move on Tuesday, it's coming, baby. There it is. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, 
I'm sad. I wanted to keep a kicker slash punter on the on the practice squad really badly. I thought that was a fun guy to have back there, especially you got 16 spots. Like, who cares? Just put one on there. What do we need? Another another corner? Another okay. defensive lineman that can't get a pressure against the Raiders? Exactly. Let's let's start complaining and start pushing for some of these defensive linemen guys. Miles Adams had a great camp. Miles with a Y, love him. Get him What's, in there. What's Sione Fua up to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do a quick around the horn on the field. Who impressed you? Each of you. Each of you give me one. I, I was excited to welcome Robbie Anderson to the uh, Panthers family. Nice to see a, a wide receiver that looks kind of like Ted Ginn out there running um, big routes. I, I, I'm, everything I thought we were going to get out of Robbie, I think we, we saw a good glimpse of it week one. Well, I think now is the time in the show when we should talk about the play of the day, play of the game. Um, obviously, you know, when you're, when you're down in the first half, you want to turn to a playmaker. You want to get the ball in his hands quickly um, and, uh, and make sure that he is um, – that he's able to do it. First and ten, uh, let's get that ball to Manhurts on the screen. <laughs> light the hive up tough tackle too i know you saw it he was dragging guys down the field um i was uh I, no i'm sorry the the, the who, who i was really who was i actually impressed with wait um, a minute wait are we done talking about this play because i, I you, no, i'm surprised we haven't I'm brought ready. it up here i didn't know I'm, I'm so surprised let's go no, i i'm just surprised you haven't brought him up yet because i mean with the raiders putting both tatum and awesome law on Manhurts, it's, it's no wonder he didn't have more of an impact in the offense. It's true. It's true. It was, uh, I mean, obviously got to double that guy. Um, gotcha. And, uh, and you know, they were also throwing Draymond at him a little bit, which I thought was, uh, was, was pretty. Um, it's pretty... an outdated reference now, I believe, for the <laughs> Vegas Raiders. <laughs> oh, you're right. I don't. <laughs> I knew the Oakland-Vegas thing. Maybe there's a yeah. hockey player. All yeah. right, was, was Stacey Ogman the plastic man? Were they using him on Manhurts as well? <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> great UNLV reference. Literally, the, only the other. It's either him or Greg Anthony or LJ. Those are the three that I know. Um, uh, I, I actually do. I, I will tell you somebody that I was impressed with, and I know nobody really wants to hear it. Um, I thought the offensive line played better than I thought they would. Specifically, I thought John Miller had a really good game. Um, I watched this tape again and I was like, Hey, look at that. Like, I, I mean, he was out there doing things on that. On the first Christian McCaffrey run, he had a, uh, he had a block and then went to the second level and basically opened and he paved the road for McCaffrey. So I, I think that, you know, this is an under the radar signing and a lot of times guards are not going to get their, their accolade. Um, meanwhile, on the other side of the ball at guard Schofield did not have a good game. Um, and so they, they, whether or not Dennis Daly is going to be better, um, I, I would hope so. And, uh, and I do think that they're, they're going to need him back um, because the Raiders pass rush is not particularly uh, fearsome. I mean, they're not, they're not bad. Don't get me wrong, but like Max Crosby, Clellan Farrell, um, there's another one that I'm forgetting, but you know, it's not Shaq Barrett. And so I, I think that I'll be interested to see how Okung and Moten and Miller, uh, who I thought all three of them had a good game. I thought Paradis and uh, Schofield, obviously not as much. Um, but I don't think that Paradis – I think that everyone is going to – everyone is 
fairly going to focus on that fourth and one play um, and, and use that as a referendum for the whole game. And I don't think that was really true. I thought that Teddy had, um, Teddy had, you know, he had a pocket for most of the game, not the entire game. Obviously there were times when it, when it collapsed and he had to move, but I thought that, you know, for the most part, they, they were better than the offensive line that we saw in 2019, which is good. I definitely think it's more surprising that they gave up zero to one sack. Again, was um, the one that they gave up compared to the defensive line getting a zero. Like, I think the offensive line was more impressive than I was discouraged by the defensive line's lack of production week one. All right, since Josh gave his to three to five guys on offense, <laughs> I would mind it too. Oh, he includes Manhurts too. <laughs> oh, Manhurts is, a, yeah, the well, sixth Christian offensive McCaffrey lineman, obviously. He's, he's yeah. a part of the offensive line too. He said that on Monday, so I guess I guess you can – take McCaffrey in there. I'll give it to two guys on defense. Um, you know, I, I know the secondary didn't have the greatest day, and, and we kind of expected that, but Jeremy Chin, I thought he made some nice plays. Uh, you know, he showed his physicality and his speed on that one play, you know, with a great angle on the sideline tackle. And then Razul Douglas, I mean, for a guy to get cut and, and get to the team on Wednesday and probably be the top performing defensive back on the field uh, and make a really good uh, pass breakup, and I thought he brought a lot of energy to the secondary. He lost Dante Jackson, you know, the quote-unquote number one corner at the very beginning of the game. Um, that was impressive, and, and you know, hopefully he, he can bring that every week and, and, you know, help as much as he can with the secondary that's going to have some issues. Didn't, um, didn't Dante Jackson spend a fair amount of the preseason talking about how he was really excited for how healthy he was? <laughs> Maybe. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. He did. Do we do we know? I mean, I don't know. This this comes out before Matt Rule tells us something. Talks to RV. Right. Uh, <laughs> do we know? Do we know how bad it is, Josh? Do we have any idea? I do not know how bad it is. I am concerned that this is going to be something that is going to bother him for the whole season. Yep. And if I'm being honest with you, I don't think that Razul Douglas looked like a guy that I am ready to take off the field in week two. Yep. Not in favor of a gimpy Dante Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my that's what I say. All right, one more around the horn. Who needs to improve? Colin, let's start with you. Mm, who needs to improve? The coaching staff, um, the late game execution. That just I want to give him the pass, but that just is not that's not good enough. They played too. They played too well. I mean, you hate you hate as a coach to feel like your team's in a situation to win, and you as a coaching staff botched it. And I think that's where they are. I'm going to say the receiving core, uh, DJ Moore, nine targets, four receptions, Curtis Samuel, eight targets, five receptions. Um, you know, I know some of the balls from Teddy weren't, weren't quite where they needed to be, but these guys have been around long enough and, and we know they, they can make uh, the requisite plays to, to make in this league where they, they could have helped their quarterback out a little bit. Um, you know, it's just one of those days where you just didn't really get, enough from those guys um but yeah week one and and week one with a new quarterback so we'll see um I first of all let me just tell you real quick uh Dante Jackson before the season started quote directly from him I dealt with a lot of injuries last year so this offseason I really invested my time and my money to improve my body so I don't have to worry about not being out there at 100 percent it's very important to me I know this is a big year for me I'm expecting a big year for me I've just been ready to go I've been staying at it so that, that lasted for 11 plays. Yeah. So yeah. it's tough. Um, I was disappointed in uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, I thought that he was inaccurate 
and um, and didn't have I did not like what he did down the stretch. Um, and uh, and if you take away that 75 yard pass play, he had 155 yards. And so I, I think he I'm not again not an indictment, not saying he can't be a good quarterback for the rest of the season, can't maybe take them into the next era, whether it's leading them to somebody else, whether he's Moses waving at them as they enter the land of milk and honey, or whether he leads them there himself. Uh, is that a good reference? I'm not sure for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh, but for, for me, not a great week one game, especially against a, I'll go ahead and say it, a bad Raiders secondary. So, Again, when you go into Tampa Bay, who has a good defense, um, how's that going to go? And I, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. So we're going to see. Fingers crossed. Oh, also, can I say I'm uh, disappointed in fake noise guy? Come on, fake noise guy. Like, is that DJ Vinny or is that is that CB is that CBS or Fox? Like, are they putting that out there? Because like, whew, it was it was not great. No. <laughs> just, just, just ride the slider. Just ride the slider. Just you just need a cheer and a boo. A cheer and a boo. It's like, right. yeah, no, you don't need a cheer. And that's the thing is, you need some. So there has to be some subtlety to it. You know, like there has to be like like there were times situational when, awareness. Exactly. Like on a long incomplete pass, if the crowd still stays like <sighs> <laughs> that, that has you kind of like, oh, I got to check. Is there a flag down? There must be a flag. Like things are happening. Like. But no, it's just they're just keeping it at a four the whole time, so we're not. They did a great boo on one of the penalty calls. If, if we're going to point out the negatives, I'm going to point out the positives. There you sound go. Guy, there was a solid boo in there. I'm the sorry. sound guy did luck out though with Luke retiring because that third button would just be looming over there, and like any time <laughs> anybody with a five, with like, if, if it was like AJ Klein. Luke Luke had 47 tackles in today's game, according to the sound guy. (laughs) Um, Before we get to the game, just any kind of final thoughts about what you want to see moving forward? I know we've all kind of touched on it several times throughout this show, but any final kind of closing thoughts? Yeah, the one other thing that I was a little bit nervous about, I thought this this offense is we we praised them. We've talked about you know that there's things they can fix. I think uh, lo- largely, they didn't do a good job really in getting to third downs, and they didn't do a good job um, on third down. Too many third and longs. I think this offense needs to do a better job on first and second if they aspire to be as good as I hope they can be. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought you saw uh, again like through three quarters. This was a this they played 15 they scored 15 points they had four drives in the first half they scored on all of them and three out of four were field goals so it's like you know I, I don't know like there are again good things and bad things so it's like you want you want to accelerate towards the good stuff and put the bad stuff behind you but I think to me I, I said already that the Raiders game was more of like a measuring stick for this team because you can kind of see where you're at because I think week two is going to be a real bad measuring stick for them because I think a lot of people are like, well, look at how bad the Bucks looked at New Orleans who might be the best team in the NFC. So it's like, I don't know. I would also like to see how the Raiders look next week um, when they play the Saints. The Saints. 
Monday Night Football. There you go. So we're going to see – it's going to be a direct correlation, and you're going to be able to tell if the Raiders are able to, like, oh, if they're keeping up with the Saints. And it's like one of those – remember how, like, there's always in week 10 you look back and you're like, man, the I, I, we thought the Panthers were going to be bad, but then it turns out they were good. We thought the Raiders were going to be good, but it turns out they're bad. Like, all these games kind of, like – they, they don't have any context right now. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like when the Panthers go to Houston and beat the Texans uh, last year, and you're like, well, the Panthers are pretty good. And then you're like, oh, no, maybe the Texans are just not as good. Like, how did that – how did they lose that game to the Panthers, um, who then lost, what, nine out of their, last, their next ten, something like that? I guess if, yeah. we're being, if we're being downers about the whole thing, then we've talked about Dante's uh, injury – but Ruggs got injured. They didn't have an answer before he got injured. Uh, the, the Raiders signal caller, uh, Kwiatkowski, uh, got injured in the third quarter. They, the offense looked better once he was off the field. And then even they had an offensive lineman go out who we all thought was Derek Brown, or at least some of us did. Oh, I didn't even – that's yeah. what I'm saying. That defensive line had no pressures and they lost Trent Brown. That was their first oh, – I didn't even think and about it was that. early, too. I yeah. completely forgot that Trent Brown went out. I was so concerned with Derek Brown going off the field that I completely forgot that Trent had left too. So it's like, yeah, no, I mean, that's – that's The NFL – I agree with my rant from earlier. The NFL, it's 2020. I really think they should consider some kind of – like a naming mechanism or numbers that they could put – and maybe like team colors so that mm-hmm. media members can understand the difference between like a defensive lineman – that plays for the Carolina Panthers and an offensive lineman that plays for the Raiders. But it, you know, it's, it's, it's new stuff. <laughs> Who wants to play a game? Yeah. Are we not already? <laughs> it's all a game. We're playing it's- the, how much can we say without mentioning anybody by name game? <laughs> Wait, was it me? <laughs> <laughs> Kelsey Riggs. Saw <laughs> a few people do it. <laughs> Our game this week is overreaction cam to K1. So each of you are going to throw out an overreaction from week one, and I'm going to judge it, but I'm not is it really- an overreaction, overreaction I have or an overreaction that's definitely out there amongst the fan base? Like, or do I have to believe in the overreaction? You don't have to believe in the overreaction. We say stuff we don't believe all the time. Okay. That is (laughs) totally fine. (laughs) Um, I'll start. Joe Brady isn't going to work out in the NFL. He's a bust. Wow. Defend? You don't want to defend it at all? You're just going to throw it out? Okay. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know defending it was part. I thought this was just kind of like (laughs) a – I've got to give a five-minute talk about it. I thought it was like a headline segment. No, no, no. I love it. I love it. No, I love it. where do you rate it? I didn't love know what it. he I was doing it. in the moment. Didn't know how to use McCaffrey. Didn't know what he was doing down the stretch. All of which I do not believe. But certainly, there's, uh, you know, there's some, some of that. Now, my question is for my judging to this is: mm-hmm. is my K one? Does that mean if I say that that I think it's like really crazy or? Yeah, I think I'm setting you up for at least a Charles Johnson, if not a Charles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got to go high, right? If that's the way this is working, I should have clarified this whole thing beforehand about there's how no the way that Nikki's not looking at a roster right now, right? Oh, I like definitely. There's a hundred percent chance. There's a. 
there's a super chance that she's not looking at a roster. <laughs> I'm just going to guess that we're going to be rated, say, like a Keekly, a Peppers, <laughs> and maybe like a Charles Johnson. <laughs> I was going to go Chris Manhurts just, just because of Josh. Because we can't say Manhurts enough on this podcast. Sure can't. We've got a quota to hit. Hashtag Manhurts Live. <laughs> I hope he listens to this show. I don't think he does. <laughs> or else he would probably take a restraining order out against you. He's, he's, he is uh, he's like Renee, only listens to the theme song, and then he gets, he's, he's out just to hear how long it goes for. <laughs> Con, so what do you have? Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. My, my overreaction is, is that I will be taking the Patriots this Sunday in the AFC Championship game. Um, I, I just everything I've seen out of Cam. I mean, there's no there's no questions after week one and seeing him throw a dozen times. Like he's he's ready to go. So definitely uh, definitely the Patriots this weekend. Uh, looks a hundred percent to me. I just, <laughs> do you think is it, it are they going to put Kyler in the AFC Championship game so that he can face off with Lamar and Cam and Patrick Mahomes? Like it just it's going to be. Fascinating to watch all of them in the Super Bowl this year. That's how it works in 2020, right? That's how COVID <laughs> just season a party. Works. It's just a party. Everybody plays, you know, whatever. There, there are no rules. No rules. Let's give that one a Greg Little. It's fair. Mm, that is fair. I was hoping for more, but, you know, it's, it's the preseason. It's the preseason. It is. I mean, we got three more weeks of this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Three more weeks of this guy, yeah. It's true. Just wait. Might be true. Just wait till the Matt Rule apologist is like, wait until – if you take away those first four weeks, if we just assume that those were preseason weeks, the rest of the record for the year looks a whole lot better. What do you have, Joshua? Um, I think that uh, Matt Rule has proved everything that he needs to prove – and is uh, absolutely is an NFL is a NFL head coach and is and has proven that he's ready to move this team into the next era um, because they they went out there and um, they they almost beat the Raiders and I'm ready to throw my hat into the ring and uh, and defend Matt Rule as the next great coach of not just the Panthers but of the NFC South and of the NFL. He in fact. <laughs> probably should more. be up as cl- like up for coach of the year i think if you were wearing a mask you might be selling this a little bit better that was an audio medium baby you can't see me <laughs> saying nothing he is wearing a mask you don't see it we don't uh, we all wear masks safety first safety first here on the show safety first i think we got to give something like that maybe uh dennis daly I think that's disingenuous. <laughs> oh, I had a feeling we were going to get a 65 in here. 65, right? Yes. Are you? <laughs> Let's just quiz Nikki on the numbers. This is a fun game. <laughs> I was uh, no numbers when I when I agreed to be a part of this show. <laughs> man, I don't know. I I, I think, yeah, obviously, we don't want to overreact to anything. All, I think all the, the, whole, the whole point of this game is that, like, all of this stuff could be different, like, literally six days from now, and we don't get a chance. This is a – we're a weekly show, so we won't get a chance to, like, talk about the Bucks game, really. But, like, 
I, I, I'm more excited to see what happens in week two um, than I was in week one, I think. And I think most importantly, for a team that we all thought was rebuilding, retooling, recharging, mm-hmm. um, that I think – It ain't a rebuild. This is a I, recharge. I, I feel like there's, there's some workable pieces. For, for week one, new era, like it doesn't feel like we, we're, we're starting at zero here. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I was listening to Good Morning Football today, and they're talking the opposite side. They're talking about Tampa Bay and talking about week two from their perspective. And it's like there's no need to panic in Tampa Bay yet, but if you week two lose to a Carolina team with new head coach, new coaching staff, new quarterback, you know. So it was just interesting to hear from that perspective of coming from Tampa Bay. You know, everyone right now is overreaction everywhere and everyone's talking about no preseason. So if you thought uh, my, my overreaction cam to K one was, was a Dennis Daly today, wait until they beat the bucks in Tampa and send them to O and two, because then it'll be, uh, you know, two diff two K one standing next to each other. <laughs> and your your point though josh about about the pass rush if you don't get a pass rush against a bruce arians offense you're not he, he's not a guy that protects his quarterback you're not going to get the pass rush most of the year if you don't get it against arians i uh, man i don't know man i i didn't see anything that was like well they were kind of close in a couple plays like it was yeah they, they got some work to do this week so and you know what maybe they're gonna do it it's positive energy get better every week one percent better. <laughs> Nameless, faceless more. opponents. One percent better. It's only a sixteen-game season, so one percent better <laughs> game isn't going to get you very far. Is the logo in in the end zone going to shrink every game, or is that just the, the first time? Like, is it by the end of the season, it's going to be like twelve point Helvetica back there? They ran out of black paint, so they they used it all on the logo on the logo. Uh, yeah, the, the change the, the change and the black paint shortage of twenty twenty. Josh, what was everyone freaking out about on Twitter before the game? The cat eyes. That's right. Uh, oh, I didn't gone? see the cat eyes. No, they're just this... on the other side of the stadium. It was just the way that they only – they had a shot of one of the end zones. Oh. And everybody was like, oh, they took away the cat. No, they were still there. Oh, so they do it's still have one set. Home field yeah. Advantage, though. I, mean, I have one set. When you're driving the field, you know, as the opposing team, and, you know, you see those scary cat eyes, I mean – Meow. That's it's a, it's a little bit of personality. I, I for no, one, I'm, I'm pro eyes. You guys can you can clown the eyes. I'm pro eyes. No, I'm not clowning the eyes. I'm Nick not clowning the eyes. The eyes have it. No, I'm not clowning. No clown. A little bit. They no eyes clowning they, here. They haven't helped out the last few years, so it might be time for a change. Well, that's because David Tepper has not yet gotten his collect or corrective eye surgery sponsor. That once those eyes get LASIK. Then it's gonna be it's gonna be clear sailing. Man, the cat eyes sponsored by lens. Like, put some glasses on the cat no, eyes. No, 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 don't you, don't you do that. Don't you do that. Dave, LASIK get only. me, get me in the building, dog. I'm trying to make you some money right now. Let's get some glasses on the cat eyes. Um, what else can we do? We'll <laughs> knock out a bunch of seats in the front row and put bunker suites in. Um, we'll put tarps over the first few rows that say Bojangles. It'll be great. Did they do um, all that stuff already. <laughs> Nick, where can folks find you on the airwaves and on the internets? 
usually right here in this uh, living room slash kitchen. But uh, yeah, WCNC Charlotte, NBC. We've got the obviously Sunday night football game every night. So we'll be on with tons of Panthers coverage before and after uh, at Nick Carboni WCNC is the Twitter handle and shameless plug of the new podcast for me off the clock and uh, should have a pretty good one for say Charlotte 49ers slash UNC slash kind of Panthers fans also this Friday. So check that out too. So now in the home setup, have you upgraded for the regular season from the cooler to an actual chair? Or we no, absolutely not. Oh. Old, reliable, except for the one time. <laughs> it was one time. It's a Coleman. <laughs> it's like, a, this what is a like, great, yeah. it's a Coleman. It's this a Coleman. This ain't that new, new money Yeti. This yeah. is a Coleman. It is the gold standard of Agreed. coolers slash sports anchor chairs. So. Oh no, that'll be what I, I will be sitting on it this Sunday night after Sunday night football. We'll see. Can I clip that? That <laughs> that sound right there. I will be <laughs> I will context. be sitting on it right after Sunday night football. Out of context, Carboni. Yes. <laughs> Colin, where can they find you? On Twitter at Colin CLT. With the football season getting cranked up, I will try and be more active. Oh, uh, Nick, while we're here, can we just – because I feel like we've asked everybody the past, like, month, who do you think the Panther or the Hornets should take with the number three pick? Oh, ball. Ball. Absolutely. The guy is no, a fantastic – come on. I want go. Uh. <laughs> that doesn't mean as – I don't know. Maybe it's because I probably muted him from, like, my brain, but I haven't heard much from LeVar in the last few years. And Lonzo seems to have separated himself. So, um, God, guys – an incredible basketball player when he wants to be. So does he want to be for the Hornets? They may have to look at that. But I'm telling you, Mitch Kupchak has been scouring the overseas market for his next his next transcendent player. Maybe he's been scouring all the way to the Middle East, baby. <laughs> oh, man. It's just like, it's like getting Johnny Manziel for, for our basketball team. Oh, what great. LaMelo Ball. Wonderful. Let's let's get that Jewish Jordan in the house. We already got the we already got the non-Jewish Jordan. Let's get the JJ in there. <laughs> let's get him. Let's bring him to the show. Let's do it. L'chaim. <laughs> uh, Josh, where can they find you? And uh, I believe you have some Roaring Riot stuff you can plug for us as well. Oh yeah, sure, I do. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for for that for reminding me. Uh, I you can find me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. I would encourage everybody to sign up for the. Um, the Riot Report daily newsletter. Uh, it's at theriotreport.com. It comes out every single day. It's curated Panthers news. Um, so you don't have to be on Twitter at all if you don't want to, because Twitter is the worst. Um, and the worst. yeah, you, we are, we are here for you. So whether it's me, whether it's Antoine, whether it's Zach, whether it's Vincent, whether it's somebody else, they go through and they find the best in Panthers coverage and the, the Panthers news nuggets that you need to know. And they put them all into a nice, fresh concise email well maybe not concise um because i do write it sometimes uh a very wordy email that goes out every single morning and you can read it over your coffee or while you're laying in bed and this weekend week two uh week one we had a roaring riot pool party uh in the downtown uptown charlotte omni that was wildly successful it was awesome zach jumped in the pool after that christian mccaffrey touchdown uh everybody had a great time socially distanced um, drinks and food included and uh, make sure that it is both safe and super fun because if there is one thing that we are all about in the Roy Ride is making sure that you can watch games with other Panther fans or if you don't want to you can just watch them by yourselves on your deck 
Hey, that that felt a bit personal. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not pointed sure? at you. There's okay. also virtual watch parties if, if, if somebody wants to jump in. I think Colin should host a virtual deck watch party. Oh, I do. I feel do. like you got to be yeah. real, real careful with the when you're tweeting that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a party of one. A lot of times we got a <laughs> we we got a three month old. A lot of misspellings, and then uh, and then all of a sudden, nobody uh. can't, Colin can't be on the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say I was at the watch party, and it was great, and I felt safe, and I felt everybody had a great time. And it was the first time that I ever got to watch a Panthers game with Josh. Which yeah, was, that's right. That, which was equally fun. I was not in the press box this weekend. I was at said pool party, and it was, uh, I'll be perfectly honest, better than being in the press box. Sorry, Nick. I was not in the press box either. Man. <laughs> and it was also better. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Empty stadiums are weird. Yeah. Yeah. And were you at home sitting on your cooler like this? Was that what you were doing, Nick? Uh, no, that's reserved for the news. That is okay. Yeah, that's not. That's for, business time. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's you know, it's serious. Everybody knows it's serious when the call comes out. So, also out of time, out of context, Carbone. Absolutely. The best Carboni. <laughs> the best Carboni. This has been one day contract, part of the Riot Network. That's great. It starts with Thunder. We'll see you guys Wait, next week. Follow Nikki at Nikki Seven Hundred Four. 